What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with another Data Protection Gumbo episode. And today's episode is titled Eradicating the False Sense of Security. And to drop some knowledge for us today, I have Aaron Farajan on. And Aaron is the Executive Vice President of Asigra. And he is also a backup technology veteran with 18 plus years of experience in cloud-based data protection. Uh, he's also responsible for Asigra's global expansion, marketing, business development, and long-term strategic activities for the company's cloud backup and recovery software platform. So, Gumbo listeners, Aaron will be elegantly eradicating our false sense of security around ransomware attacks, how immutability may not be what you think it is, and the latest innovation around deep MFA and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. You'll never be immune to cyber attacks, but you can bring your A-game. With the secret secure backup technology, you become too tough and costly to crack, compelling threat actors to move on to easier prey. Gain the advantage today. Visit Asegra.com for your low cost, easy to use, and hard to hack backups. Aaron, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks a lot, Demetrius. Thanks for having me. All right, great. Let's go ahead and get into the questions for the Gumbo listeners today. So let's find out a little bit about, uh, I guess, who you are and um, you know wh- what you're working on these days. And also, I guess, how has you know backup software evolved over the last, um, let's say, year, couple of years, and, and where is it going? Okay. All right. So for those that don't know... Um... My name is Aaron Farrigan, as you said, and um, I'm with a company called Asigra. Asigra is a software company based in Toronto, in Canada, and uh, this is our 34th year in business. And um, since inception, we've only been doing backup and recovery software. I've been with a company about 25 years, and um, yeah, it sells its software. We sell our software to uh, customers all over the world. And uh, we've been selling uh, our software to service providers. They've been called different things throughout all a couple of different decades now, but primarily service providers who use it to deliver a backup service. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through those partners of ours, also it gets sold uh, to businesses and organizations uh, that need to protect their data, either on-prem or cloud and so on. So, yeah, so that's a little bit about a Segra high level. Yeah, and also, uh, Aaron, before you before you go on, you said you've been with Asigra for 25 years? Yeah, yeah, for quite a while since I finished law school. What was your trajectory, though? You came in as what, and, and you just kind of matriculated up? What's that story? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. It's actually a family business of ours. My dad started the business really? years and years ago. Yep. And then when I finished law school, I got uh, hired into um, a law firm to do, you know, uh, they do these these interns and so on. And then um, I came back home and slowly just, you know, milled around the office and then got sucked into the vortex and the orbit of the business. And, you know, my dad would tell me, do this and do this and do this. And I said, I, I don't really work here. And he's like, well, now you do. So <laughs> that's basically how it started, to be honest with you. Well, d- does a secret stand for something? It does. It's not uh, an acronym. And actually, the etymology of the word is uh, from the word Asigura, A-S-I-G-U-R-A, mm. and in the Romance languages, okay. um, whose origin is Latin, it means assurance. Asigura means assurance, mm. and then we just bastardized it a little bit, took out the U, and got the name Asigura. Yeah, just like everyone else does, right? You know, when you're trying to 
think of a, a, a trendy name, you know, take something, chop it up a little bit and make it your own. So no problem there. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess as far as um, the evolution of backup software, wh- where do you think it's going, Aaron? Well, you know, and I think in the last couple of years, because um, I think your, your, your question at the outset was um, what's happened in the last couple of years. I mean, where it's going is uh, uh, also interesting. I think, you know, the Gumbo listeners know this in our world, collectively our capital O. Um, from the outside, it looks like there's not much activity in the world of backup. But to us that are listening and paying attention and working in the world of data protection, there's a lot of activity and a lot of interesting, innovative, you know, stuff going on um, all over the place. I think just leading up to where we are today, security. We, I guess backup software has become so popular. Ransomware and malware in the security area is really, oh, yeah. um, you know, kind of what's uh, front and center these days for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And as a result of backup software becoming so popular, it feels like it's the second most favorite target right. for the threat actors nowadays. The first one remains the Windows you know, operating system. Mm-hmm. It's a very popular thing. It's getting a lot more attention than it probably ever did from all the wrong people. And so I think as a result of that, um, the backup industry, the vendors, us, others, um, you know, collectively, have started to pay, and I think the operators, the service providers who are involved, and all the stakeholders in the world of backup and data protection have uh, started to think, how do we make data protection a lot more secure? And um, there have been different types of attacks in the last, uh, I don't know, 24, 36 months, and the industry is learning, And, and it, but it does feel like very much a cat and mouse game. You know, we, they do something, we respond um then they do something come up with another clever attack and it's mm-hmm. this kind of like journey or evolution which doesn't feel like it's going away anyway yeah and not only to mention that but to also throw in let's say some of these cloudy things right cloud native platforms and technologies and applications you have containers out there now so docker and kubernetes and microservices and restful apis oh my right that's it um that's it. You have all of these things and the ecosystem has completely changed the way you actually have to protect that data. Uh, and ransomware, you know, as you mentioned, it is an issue. It's a threat um, and it is a problem. But, you know, just to mention, you know, some of the changing technologies and how fast and rapidly things are changing uh, inside and outside of the data center, you know, the backup software definitely has to also evolve to to be able to capture the correct state you know of those applications out there right so moving more toward i guess backup professionals and the whole theme around the backup professionals and data protection engineers and systems administrators etc what do you think is i guess one of the biggest problems that's facing someone in a backup profession today someone that's in charge of you know, maintaining the protection of applications in their organization? Yeah. Well, regrettably, I think it's a false sense of security, to be honest with you. It's, um, I think they're from a technical perspective, Mm. you know, people keep up to date with stuff. I think it's this false sense of security that the professionals uh, who are really on the front lines is one of the biggest problems. And the cause of the false sense of security is this um, ongoing regular attack on backup data in different ways. 
and it still continues. And it, and it turns out, you know, as we talk and, and you and I speak and others, I mean, maybe we'll get some more feedback, but it turns out backup software is the one of the lowest uh, as an application, it's the least secured. You know, it's almost like the, the, the security team doesn't know who these guys are in the company. They're out there busy, focused on frontline and other yeah. what seem to be bigger, badder threats. And they kind of forget or they don't even know who the backup team is or what backup products are even being used. And they don't secure the back, the backup product like they do secure other um, applications. And the bad guys mm-hmm. know this. And so they then attack it. And, um, you know, I think the false sense of security also comes from the backup industry. Segra and others, our peers, vendors, you know, other vendors kind of saying, oh, we did this in our product. So therefore, you're now, you know, secure and immune to ransomware and from, you know, you should feel safe. And, and that is, I think, a big problem because fundamentally, the threat actors are constantly ahead of the game. They're changing their tactics and their attack vectors and the way they do attacks. And the backup industry, it doesn't evolve fast as, you know, as, as is needed. Um, not only the vendors. The vendors are keeping up to date, I think, the practitioners. The practitioners just think it won't happen to me um, because, you know, I'm not Sony or I'm not, um, you know, some big brand. Um, my data is not really worth it uh, out there. And it's this false sense of security and it's a mis it's a misdirection because um your if your data is valuable to you that's all they care about they will then nail you because you'll pay for your own data hmm yeah and you know what you mentioned this false sense of security it sounds like a great uh podcast title for us um as well uh so i i might actually steal that and run with it uh if you don't mind okay <laughs> Grant. um Grant. so you you, you made you made a statement there which which made me think a little bit now I am an old school backup guy. Okay. So 1999, I came out of college and IBM hired me onto the Tivoli Storage Manager support team. Okay. So I learned Tivoli Storage Manager. It was ADSM at the time. So Adstar Distributed Storage Manager. And I didn't know anything about backup, but I dove into all these books. So literally I had maybe 15 books stacked on my desk um, and they were each were about the different operating systems. So one one was for Windows, one was for Unix, one was for the different flavors of Unix, AIX and HP and Solaris, and you had all these different commands. So I bring this up because backup administrators back then were responsible for knowing how to secure the backup software. So I think what you're saying is that the false sense of security is coming from the advent of, yes, we're protecting the data, we're backing it up every day, we're storing it, we're sending it to the cloud, or we're, you know, maybe we're still even using tape and we have an air gap. So the organization thinks that everything is all hunky-dory peachy cream, right? That it's backed up, so we're good. So you're saying that maybe it's not so good because there's a false sense of security here. Um, because there's constantly threats out there and the backups are actually targeted. 
Is that, is that what I'm sensing? That, that's exactly right. And, and I'll give you some examples. And it's a journey, right? Like the bad guys, these threat actors, as they're called, they're, they're constantly changing the way they do things. And I'll give you just, I'll just give you some examples, for, you know, okay. um, and the, some on the audience will know this, not news to them, but, and some, this might be news to them. A couple of years ago, ransomware was just a basic thing. It's some malware. It lands on your network. It gets past the front door. Somebody got fished. Somebody downloaded or clicked things. Boom. It happens everywhere. The authorities get involved. And so it crypts the data. You know, you need to go. You, you don't have your data anymore. You may not have had a backup. You then have to pay the ransom. And then and then the authority it happens so much that the authorities basically said, go do three things, basically. Number one, train your people. Um, you know, tell them not to click things that they shouldn't be a little bit smarter and wiser, that there's more to the training. Training is now probably the number one thing people should be doing. Um, the second thing is patch your systems because they were unpatched systems yeah. um, that malware was, you know, using. And number three, have a really good backup process, a good backup scheme, a good, good operational backup procedures. Because if you do get encrypted, you'll be able to go to your backup, restore the data, and you won't have to pay the ransom. That's nice. And then eventually the bad guys got wind of this. And so what do they do? They basically attacked the backup software in different ways. Yeah. So some of the attacks were happening through APIs. Some of the attacks um, were happening. Malware was getting in. And there were very broadly distributed, widely deployed backup software products and vendors that were super successful, still are. And um, they had default repository names. So the malware would come in and it would have a slash well-known name, you know, um, and it would look for those repositories. And then um, it would delete the data and then it would detonate and then delete and then you couldn't restore and then you'd have to pay the ransom. Other, other ways um, it would get in, you know, even in air gapped, right? Then the industry kind of developed this three, two, one thing and everybody felt like, oh, let's do three, two, one, three different copies, two different media, one of them air gapped. Well, the bad guys have kind of gone past that already. That was about 18 months ago. They already knew how to get past that. And what they do is they leave time bombs. The malware gets in, people get fished or vished, uh, voice, you know, uh, social engineer with phones, mm-hmm. not just emails these days. And mm-hmm. um, they, the malware gets in and it sits there dormant for six months, nine months. And during that six to nine month period, your backup software, your TSM, your, you know, your Spectrum, whatever, your Seeger software, any backup software, mm-hmm. it's basically backing it up unbeknownst to you. And it's putting it into all of your air-gapped copies, including a tape or anything that's sitting on some shelf in some warehouse in some outskirts of a neighborhood that was picked up by a company that has trucks and so on, because you think that malware yeah. can't jump like a superhero through the air and land on a tape somewhere. Well, guess what? It does because it sits there dormant. And then you go and you start recovering data when you get detonated. And then you're basically taking a syringe, um, I have to pick my words wisely here. We're in the middle of a pandemic and you're kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm picking syringe. I'm not saying, you know, anything, okay. any other kind of bodily fluid droplets or anything. I'm sick. And you're basically restoring and re-injecting the, the malware back and, and then it happens again and happens again. And you don't get, you don't understand why it keeps happening. It's called an attack loop. And it's very hard to get out of because you don't know what day you originally ingested it. So you keep restoring. It's like Groundhog's Day. Yep. It's tough. So, I think then the industry evolved and, you know, nowadays in the last, you know, maybe let's say a year, maybe a little bit more than a year, 
uh, the industry has come up and said, well, let's bring immutability, you know, backup data immutability. <laughs> yeah, and right. a lot of the vendors have done this, and I think rightly so, and hopefully their customers have now upgraded into that. But again, the bad guys are even far, they're, they're even ahead of this. They already know how to circumvent immutability. And and the way they, yeah, it's sad. They're, they're so smart. It's unbelievable yeah. how clever. It's a full-time job for it's them. A full, and it's very rewarding for them. And that's what we keep yeah. forgetting. And that leads to the false sense. They make a lot of money. So there's a lot at stake for them. So what they do is they now steal credentials. They basically hack backup admins, backup operators. They'll even hack, if you're a service provider, they'll even hack your end user um, looking to see if your end user has access to the backup software. And immutability is very much tied to retention and, you know, uh, credentials and so on. And so what they do is they log in and they don't try to uh, blast the immutability because they can't. It's logically impossible for them to do that. So what they do is they use the credentials as if they were a bona fide user and they use the backup software against itself. They go in and they make changes to different functions or settings like the, the main one that they do um, is setting the retention from five years, seven years, three years, whatever, to like three hours or two hours. Why two hours? Because they want to show you that the backups happened, all the green check marks are there, you're none the wiser, you keep moving on in your day, you got lots of stuff to do. But then, boom, um, they, their retention runs and it basically deletes the, you know, the backup data because it think, the backup software thinks it's doing what you've asked it to do or it's what it's been asked to do. They change credentials. They create new users. They they so that's that's how they get around immutability, and they're doing it broadly now. And there are still vendors out there touting immutability, and they should be, um, but immutability on its own. So now this false sense of security, um, you know, can be addressed using multi-factor authentication, passwords. But again, that's not enough because even if they get into your application. They can ch they can still change. So what so what you know is needed in the backup world is what's actually happening and has been happening in other you know more critical or other critical not more but I would say other critical applications that require privileged credential management uh, products. So they actually take credentials and when you're using a specific application. For very specific functionality, you need to constantly authenticate yourself, and you might even need multiple users to authenticate and approve specific functions. You know, think like nuclear bombs going off, not to be a, you know, alarmist or anything, but you'd always have multiple people that have to kind of turn the keys at the same time, and they were distant, you know, and that kind of stuff. So here too, you need to do that, and then it keeps the bad guys guessing. In fact, they don't know who the people are with the keys and the authentication and the approvals. They don't know if they're only within the organization. They don't know how many. They don't know what roles they have. And so what's going to happen is they're just going to move on to an easier target to customers and to users that are not doing that. Mm. And so you need what's called deep MFA or in the security world, it's called step up authentication. You need to step up or you need to, you need to put it mm, deeper okay. into the application, not just in the front door entry to the application to authenticate once. So, does that make sense? Mm. You know what that, that, Man, it that has me thinking because now I remember, you know, backup used to be a total function. Like it was a full time job plus working, you know, 20 extra hours overtime. Right. So it was an 80 hour job and you had to wear a pager to be on call in case you were sleeping. 
and it's 3 a.m. and <laughs> something <a> happened. <laughs> right? You need a restore. Oh, the Oracle database is down, you know, and it's our most critical application. So we need it recovered right now immediately. So I'm thinking now that backup administration, it's no longer a primary job in most cases. Now, there are probably still a few, you know, data protection engineer, backup and recovery administrators, et cetera. But the way the technology has somewhat evolved now uh, with some of these newer technologies and, you know, these nice, pretty user interfaces and, you know, point click here, you don't really have to go to the command line anymore, right? Right. Um, the, the way that I used to have to do it, I have to learn all these commands and try to, you know, if you leave one flag off, you could screw up something. Right. Um, Big time. So. And then when you left that job, remember what you did, Demetrius? As soon as you get promoted out of the backup role, what's the first thing you do? You do a brain flush. And then the guy that got the job comes to you and he says, Demetrius, remember all this? He's like, nope. Sorry, man. Can't help you. I don't remember (laughs) a thing about that role. Yeah. I don't remember anything. Then I got a little smarter and and I actually started documenting stuff and like, okay, here's the run book. You ask me anything else. I'm sorry. It's not. It's not in my brain. It's in the book. But. um yeah, so some people are not spending as much time as they used to on data protection. So if they see those green check marks, you know, if the, the threat actors came in and changed it to two hours from, you know, two weeks, then they may not pay attention to that, right? Because they're only dedicated to, you know, checking the backups every two hours a day, right? Even if that long. Or even just the red ones when they get notified. Because the software everywhere is really smart right. these days. It just alerts you when there's a problem. If there's no problem, man, you got other problems elsewhere that you're dealing with. I agree. Or you just look at the report that's emailed to you, you know, and that's all green. Then, oh, yeah, I can go I can go work on my, on my MBO goals now. That's right. And this must be really good backup software because it's all green. But you don't know that it's been circumvented. And you have this false sense of security. And that's, that's the problem. That's a big root of the problem that backup admins or those stakeholders responsible for backup need to all of a sudden pretend like they're the security people. Right. Those guys that never sleep at night, they're constantly, you know, knowing that the bad guys are ahead of them and they just don't know where they're going to get, you know, hit next and they don't sleep at night. They're constantly paranoid and they have these funny twitches and, um, <laughs> and the, and the backup folks need to meet those folks. Because you have to treat your backup software today like that super duper Oracle, you know, database where uh, the crown jewels sit because backup is very, very important. It always has been, but now it's getting attacked massively and you have to shore it up. You have to do that. Yeah. So I, I really like your your deep MFA um, thought process. And I'm, I'm sure it's something that, that you guys have probably rolled out over the last couple of months. Um, what is a cloud backup with deep, with deep M- MFA? Is that right? That's right. We did. We just uh, not long ago uh, launched it in its most recent release. And um, we added that to this attack loop prevention that we had a couple of years ago. We, you know, scanning the backup stream and the recovery stream with multiple malware engine detection engines and this kind of stuff. So really need the backup technologies and the applications and the industry. I think it's not, not just a Seagra, but I think for the industry, all the listeners is to really kind of step it up a notch and make the security posture much tighter now is this just an add-on or is this like a separate SaaS product or something like what what exactly is it no it's a it's a piece of the platform it's like a thing that's in the 
Yeah, it's in the application. We we think I th- I don't know. Our feeling is that over time, and it's not because of us. It's because the bad guys are having such a heyday. Mm-hmm. This kind of stepped up security is going to be table stakes. Remember, like yeah. the old days. Oh, deduplication. No, no, I can have many <laughs> copies of stuff. No, no, dedupe. Right. It's now table stakes. I think increased security will become table stakes in the backup. And erasure coding. That's that. I think erasure, erasure coding, coding took yeah. deduplication yeah. off because. I was so tired of having deduplication conversations, man. It was crazy. Like, oh, I can get, you know, this percentage, that percentage, and mine is better than yours. It's like, who cares, dude? You know, just, you know, if you could save me some money, but I get it. But I don't want to get in a dedupe conversation war with you. (laughs) It became religious. (laughs) Absolutely. So moving on here, and I, I also read an article a few days ago about uh, clinical trials hit by ransomware attack, and it was actually a health technologies firm called uh, IQVIA. Have you ever heard of that firm before? Nope, not before that. I hadn't. IQVIA, and they are a uh, like a contract research organization, and they help manage AstraZeneca. You heard of AstraZeneca, right? Of course, yeah. So they're managing AstraZeneca's COVID nineteen vaccine trial. And they were a victim of ransomware attack not too long ago. And it's been said that they've been able to, you know, limit some of the problems because they did have the data backed up. And so the backed up data was safe. And fortunately, no patients were affected. Um, But it just goes to show you that, you know, this this thing is evolving and the threat actors are, you know, getting better and better and better, you know, probably even a little better than you know, some of the skills that, 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 that we're growing, like, you know, protecting data. I guess one other and, thing. Oh, go ahead. And they're hoping that, uh, that everybody listening here, the backup professionals, are not going to do anything. That's what they're praying for. And they know that there's millions of practitioners that are not doing anything. And they'll be easy prey for them. Mm. So is, is there another platform or another recommendation around, you know, protecting against ransomware besides the, the deep MFA? Or is that like the the primary one that that you recommend? Well, deep MFA is is really just a response to this new kind of attack. And the new kind of attack was developed by them to address immutability, Mm -hmm. data backup immutability. So the industry came out with immutability and then the bad guy said, well, no, we still want, we still want the money. So we got to figure out a way how to circumvent immutability. And then they came up with stealing credentials and then using the backup software against itself. If that takes hold and a lot of people, you know, implement it and it, and, it, and it backup software becomes harder, they'll think of something else. I think, um, you know, or they'll just keep targeting those folks that don't take it seriously enough, that have this false sense of security. Unfortunately, there'll still be many out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think this was a primary discussion around security and that false sense of security and ransomware, which is definitely a, a topic that. You know, we, we should have more of today because it's uh, it's it's an important thing right now, especially in, in our industry. And most organizations are digital now because data is, quote unquote, the oil or the gold. I guess wrapping up with the final gumbo question and, and Aaron, it's not a technical question, by the way. So I just want, want you to brace yourself, okay. you know, for for this question. This is not technical or political, but it but it will. It's not political either, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but it will make you think. OK, OK, I like those. Here goes the question. So what would you tell your 16 year old self if you had an opportunity 
to travel back in time to secretly change your destiny? Wow, that's a good question. It's very, very philosophical. Hmm. What would I tell myself to change in order to change my destiny? Yeah, if you could secretly change it. Um, I don't know that I'd want to change my destiny, um, but if I could secretly change it, what would I tell myself? Hmm. That's a very tough question. I think I would just stick to stick to having fun. You know, when I was 16, I enjoyed life. Mm-hmm. I had less responsibilities and um I wouldn't take life as seriously. Like uh I I you know, I took school seriously and uh sports and uh but I think I would probably just tell myself don't take it as seriously as you are. Enjoy you know, enjoy time more because you're not going to get these kind of, let's say, 16 to 18 to uh, 18, 19, those next three years, or even at 16, again, ever. So you should take them, you know, maybe more lightly and enjoy yourself more. Maybe that's what I would tell myself. Just, you know, relax. Okay. Don't be so competitive. Don't be so, you know, go out and have, have more fun with your friends. I did go out and stuff, but that's probably what I would say. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, is there a way that you would like the Gumbo listeners to possibly reach out to you, let's say on social media like Twitter or LinkedIn? Um, they could if they wanted to on LinkedIn. Um, my name is there. Um, they could go to the Asigur website. Um, you know, we have lots of different channels to go in there, but sure, LinkedIn or email. My our, my email is first name dot last name at com, And so, um, you know, those are all the time, anytime. I truly, truly appreciate you spending time, you know, discussing ransomware and a little bit about deep, deep MFA and and schooling everyone on, you know, what the threat actors are up to now uh, around ransomware. And I I actually learned a a thing or two in that immutability um, may not be quite what you think it is, because now there are ways for the threat actors to get around that. So, um, I'm leaving smarter, so I am sure that the Gumbo listeners are as well. Thank you for coming on the show, and uh, until next time, thank you so much, Aaron. It's my pleasure, and it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and um, again, you know, adding value. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.